This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Does your child love reading or is it a routine battle to get them to pick up a book at bedtime? Today we're talking to Kerry Beale from reading charity Coram Beanstalk about why reading is so important in every aspect of life. A mum herself, she has lots of tips on how to get even the most reluctant of readers reading. Welcome back to Brummy Mummies. My name is Zoe Chamberlain. I'm a journalist, author and mum. I launched Brummy Mummies as a community for families to share with you stories from the most inspiring mums and dads to help you find out how they juggle family life and everything that comes with it. So let's get straight into Talking Books with Kerry. Hi Kerry, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Hi, are you okay? So we're going to talk all about reading. So can you give me five tips on how to help your child to develop a love of reading? Okay, so first top tip for getting your child to grow a love of reading is to lead by example. So show them your reading books and things like that. But it doesn't just have to be books. It could be magazines. It can be newspapers. It's showing them that you enjoy reading as well. Uh, Top tip number two would be don't be afraid of your child reading the same book. You know, they find it interesting and they enjoy reading that same book over and over again because then they get familiar with it. I mean, I've got two children at home. I can read we're going off we're going on a bear hunt off by heart. I have read it that many times. But they also find it funny when I say the wrong line as well and they're like, "No, that doesn't come yet." So it's getting them really really engaging with that book. The third top tip I would say is talk about the pictures. It doesn't have to always be about the words. You can use the pictures to retell the story. Fourth top tip was read anytime, anywhere, to anyone. So it's kind of any would be my top fourth tip. So don't just reserve reading for bedtime. You know, you can read in the morning, in the afternoon. If you're having a lazy Sunday afternoon, you can read then. You can read anywhere. It doesn't have to be at the table or in bed. You can read outside or wherever they're comfortable and read to anyone. So they don't have to read to mum. So for example, if you've got a dog and they want to read to the dog, let them read to the dog. The dog won't judge them if they get a word wrong or they say something wrong. Or, you know, we are in a time now where we've got all these video, you know, programs and things. Let them dial up their nan and granddad or auntie in Australia and read to them if that's what they want to do. Just get them to read any time, anywhere, anything. And 
My fifth top tip would be read aloud to them. Doesn't matter if they're three or 13. They can then hear what it's like to be a listener and how you use your voice, how you make the uh, voices of the different characters that are in the story. So even if you've got an old child, don't be afraid to read to them rather than always asking them to read to you. That's really useful. And gosh, some memories there, going on a bear hunt. I remember that one again and again and where the wild things are. Charlie's Stinky Socks, that was a favourite in our house. <laughs> are there certain books that you found through your work with Coram that really inspire and capture their imagination? It all depends on the individual child. So as part of the charity and the work we do with our volunteers, we get them to work with that child and find out what that child likes and enjoys. So I've got a 10-year-old who hated reading up until a year ago. It, it was just one of those battles to get him to read. And when I started working with Coram, I actually did the training. And from that, they were like, let them choose. Let them, you know, see what they enjoy reading. Now, my son's obsessed with football. And there's an amazing author called Matt Oldfield, who's done loads and loads of books all to do with football and different football players. So I bought him one about a particular football player who he loves. And that's it now. He is constantly, he's driving me mad. (laughs) He is reading so much. But that was his way into reading because it was like, what do you like? You like football. Okay, let's find you football books. And that was it. So it's a case of finding what your child enjoys and what they're into. Yeah, definitely. I remember when with my child, he was so uh, reluctant to sit and listen to a book. He was always on the go. Um, and that was very different to my older son. So I found it really strange. So I remember one time I'd got him in the bath and I thought, he's kind of, he's stuck here. He can't run around. So I'm going to sit and read to him. And I read Julia Donaldson's The Snail and a Whale. And he sat and he was really mesmerised by it. I think it's lovely because it's all about the water as well. And and that was it then. From that moment, he just loved being read to. It was a real kind of turning point for us. Yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> it just shows, as you say, you can literally read anywhere, anytime. Yeah, and it's finding something that they enjoy, you know, whether it be fiction, non-fiction, as long as it's something that gets them going. Once you open that door and they realise they can read and that's it, then they're off. Yes. I mean, that's great advice to find a subject that they're interested in. What about if you've got a really reluctant reader and you've already tried that, you've tried to kind of tap into their hobbies and interests and it's just not working? I would say take it in turns to read. So don't force them, you know... We know children have got reading books that they bring home from school and, you know, it's like, right, you've got to read so much a night or whatever the school might say to them. I've done it where I've gone, okay, well, I'll tell you what, I'll read a page and then you read a page. So they're not feeling so overwhelmed with having to read so much. But another thing that we encourage um, our volunteers and parents that we work with to do is make reading work for that child. So if your child likes cooking get some cookery books, get them to read the recipes in them, you know, make a shopping list, get them to read the shopping list. It's getting them, you know, finding interesting ways to make reading more fun and, you know, making it work for that child, bringing reading to life. 
So, you know, what what else are they interested in? You know, if they go to the football, do they get a programme, get them to read the programme, you know, get them to read anything as long as they are reading. I guess that shows them how useful reading can be as well, that it's used in everyday life, not just to read storybooks at bedtime. Exactly. So do you think reading with your child changes as they get older? It's something I've always wanted to carry on reading with my kids at bedtime, but obviously as they get older, they don't really want to do that so much. Do you think, and maybe they don't want to read aloud, Is it, should you change how you read with your child as they get older? I think it's a case of reading how suits them. So my old, I've got two, my older child, he likes to read to himself now at bedtime he reads for half an hour so he does 15 minutes of his school book that he needs to read and he does 15 minutes of a book off his shelf and he can choose whatever book whether it be I mean he got a cookery book for Christmas so he likes reading his cookery book um you know and all sorts of things like that and it's a case of now and again I'll go oh just do me a favor just read that bit to me but I'm not making him read the whole thing all the time but It's also about asking him questions to make sure, okay, he's not reading aloud, but is he still understanding what he's reading? You know, it's that sort of thing. And not just firing direct questions at him. Well, what does so-and-so say? What's this? It's opening a discussion. So, oh, so-and-so said this in the book earlier. Do they still have that attitude or do they still have that opinion or has your opinion, especially when it comes to reading his football books, you know, he's gone in reading a particular football book because that player doesn't play for the team he supports. And it's like, do you still have that same attitude about that player? Oh, no, you actually think he's quite a nice person rather than, you know, the person you think he is on pitch. Why? And getting them to, you know, it's that why question, getting them to open up and discuss rather than feeling they have to read aloud. Yes, yes, that shows their comprehension and also the kind of bigger picture from the whole reading. Yeah, that's interesting what you say about reading the school book and then reading your own choice for pleasure. Because I think sometimes the school books can put them off a little bit, can't they? Yeah, I mean, it all depends on the school. Some schools have a scheme that their child needs to go through other schools, they get to a certain level of their reading and they can choose their own books. So it's making it work for your child, which is why my oldest, he does it that way. My daughter, she loves the school reading books, so she just reads them over and over and she's quite happy doing that. But it's making it work for your individual child. Yeah, my my child is 13 and he's just read 1984 for school, which he absolutely hated and it's really put him off reading for a while. So it's difficult, isn't it, in that situation? Because he was really keen on reading beforehand. Yeah, it's just showing him, you know, all right, if he's been switched off by something he's read, it's helping to reintroduce him to, okay, that wasn't your choice of book and you didn't love it. But I found this book, I mean, my two love going to the library because they can choose whatever books they want. It's a case of, right, you can take out this many books from the library, go. And that, I find, helps reinvigorate them because it's like, oh, I've seen this book and, oh, I didn't know this author had done this book or that sort of thing. Yes, yeah, definitely. And having all that choice around them. So how important is reading 
you know, what impact does it have if you're a good reader? What, what impact does that have on your education? Well, readers get the best chance in life. There's research that shows that if a child can read, they have a better chance because you understand more of the world around you. You have access to more things. Without reading, you can't access writing. You'll struggle to access maths or science or any of the other subjects in school, you know, design and technology, anything. You need to be able to read to be able to access that because if you can't read, you know, the instructions of how to build a birdhouse in design technology at high school, you, you can't do it. So it, it it is the pinnacle key point of education and then becoming an adult. And how does reading and the love of reading impact you in later life, do you think? If you have a love of reading, once you've got it, you'll always enjoy reading. And it helps you going further, you know, for example, if you end up going to university or something like that, you need to be able to read, you know, you need to be able to read to be able to write. So sending emails to people within your work, it's vital to give you the best opportunity to be the best you, I suppose, you can be. So should we be worried as parents if our children just don't seem to have that love of reading? I think as long as you are giving your child the opportunities, you're giving them flexibility in different routes in. That's the main thing because children all develop at different rates and children will find that love of reading. And it might be they find it when they're four. It might be when they're 14. It could even be when they're 19 because they're doing something they really enjoy, you know, for example, a job or a university. And that's when they'll find their reading is their love because they're doing the subject they want to do. If they're struggling with reading, perhaps for whatever reason, possibly even like dyslexia or something like that, do you think that audiobooks are quite useful? Yes, definitely. Yeah. It's just showing them different ways of accessing it. So audiobooks can be brilliant. Um, and that the good thing about audiobooks is they can hear, like, you, you know, a parent reading out loud to them, they can hear the voices, the characters, they can hear what it's like to be a listener. And that can help them as well. So rather than them reading in that very robotic tone, just reading every word for word. I mean, one of the other things that we encourage the children to sometimes do, depending on the child as well, is rereading what they've already read. So if they've read it very robotic, very parrot fashion, you know, depending on the child and the mood they're in and everything, it's sometimes useful to get them to reread it or for you to reread it and go, which voice do you think is best for this character? Should they have a deep voice or should they have a really, you know, excited voice, depending on? So it's, yeah, listening to someone read, whether it be an audiobook or a parent or grandparent or whoever, can be really, really useful as well. Do you think that um, technology and particularly phones uh, and computers, gaming, has an impact on reading? And, and should we be careful of that as parents? I would say yes, because, you know, yes, there is reading to be done when you're on your phone or when you're on the computer at times, but it is mainly very visual. It's not sort of quality reading things that you should be doing. So it's finding that balance and what's worked for you as a family, what works, you know, for 
your child as well. Yes. So do you think you should put, not strict rules, but put provisions in place to make sure that there is time for reading as well as phones? I would say on a personal level, yes, you you need to do that. I mean, that's why my two read before bed, because that works for us as a family. I mean, often on a Friday, when my daughter gets in from school, she likes to read then because that's just her and what she likes. Whereas my son, he does not want to read on a Friday. He wants to get in and go on his computer with his friends. So it's finding that balance and what works for you as a family and what works for your child it's letting them lead it but not take over because I know some children would quite happily sit on their PlayStation Xbox whatever it is 24-7 if you let them so it, it's finding your balance for you. Yeah so do you think children should be rewarded for reading or should reading be the reward in itself? Good question I think it depends on the child and where they are in their reading journey and growing that love of reading you know with my son when he hated reading I used to sort of encourage him and reward him for reading whereas now it you know he reads he finishes a book or a couple of books it's like okay now we'll go to the library and get more so that in itself is a reward but it's rewarding reading with more reading material yes how did how were you rewarding him early on when he wasn't enjoying reading it would vary from day to day things like that it would sometimes be okay we'll read for a bit and then you can go on your computer or it could sometimes be um you know read for a bit and then we'll go out and we'll do something or you can you know it varied very much yeah and should parents lead by example and what do they what should parents do if they're not keen readers themselves? The ideal situation would be yes, lead by example. You know, that was one of the top tips I mentioned at the start. You know, if you've got a love of reading, fantastic, brilliant. If you personally don't have a love of reading, it might be because you yourself haven't found your genre of book that you like. And you know, it can be a case of okay, I don't really love reading. And having that conversation, depending on your child, saying, I don't love reading. I don't think I found what I would be interested in. And going to the library and actually showing them you having a look at the books and going, oh, well, that's a thriller. So that might be a bit scary. Oh, well, I like thrillers on the telly. Maybe that would be good for me to have a read of. And showing, you know, that even as adults, we're still learning. We're still finding ourselves you know, and it, it, that's quite a good thing to do is showing your child that, you know, you're human as well, but that you're open to trying new books and new things and, you know, showing them how to read the back of the book and going, oh, that doesn't sound like something I would particularly enjoy. I'll try another book. Yes. So going through that process with them. And I guess nonfiction as well is quite useful. Oh, definitely. I mean, we've got a pile of cookery books at home so it's showing them I'm reading the cookery books as well and you know making it real in that way as well. Yes so tell us a bit about Coram Beanstalk and what the charity does. Okay so we are Coram Beanstalk we are a national charity we work with schools and children all across England 
Um, we've been going, we're 50 this year, actually, in September. So we've been around 50 years, nearly. Um, and what we do is we train volunteers to go into schools at least one afternoon a week, working with the same couple of children, one-to-one each week, to help that child grow a love of reading and showing them different styles of books and having that what we call book talk so that understanding using the pictures like I mentioned and getting them to grow a love of reading by helping them find their route into reading helping them find the books that they like and that sort of thing. So is there dedicated time set in schools for Coram Beanstalk volunteers? Yeah, so it all depends on the individual school, but majority of our schools, you go in one afternoon a week. It depends on the individual school and the volunteer as well. You know, we we partner our volunteers and our schools carefully to make sure that it fits for both. You know, it's no good. We've got a school that wants someone going in on a Monday afternoon and a volunteer saying, well, I can only do Friday afternoon because of work commitments. We will partner them with a different school, so... We do have the occasional school that will have someone going in the morning, but majority of our schools want someone in the afternoon because the core English and maths are taught in the morning and they don't want the child being taken out from that. Yes, yeah. So I know you're recruiting volunteers in the Midlands. What does that entail to be a volunteer and how do people find out more? So you need to go onto our website. So our website is corambeanstalk.org.uk so that's c-o-r-a-m beanstalk like jack and the beanstalk .org.uk and if you just go on there um, there's lots of information on there about what to do um, how we train our volunteers when you've had a look at that and you think yeah this is something I could do uh, fill in an application form and within an hour we'll ping you across a little short video to watch and um, there's a couple of questions they're not quiz questions they're just a do you think this sounds like something you can commit to have you got any questions for us is there anything you're not sure of following that you will then get an invitation to join one of our training sessions so our volunteers do online face-to-face training sessions with one of our trainers and there's 12 volunteers in total so all across England we zoom into a meeting and you spend two hours with a break in the middle to find out more about how to get that child to grow a love of reading um we then do a dbs check and then we place you into a school great and are there resources on the website for parents as well there are we have something called book of the month which would be really useful actually to have a look at you can see all the books of the month we've done i think we've got about 18 months worth um, of books of the month and we choose different books for different months so this month is um, a story called Super Dupe You by the amazing Sophie Hen and it celebrates all about being different and you know how our individualness makes us amazing and um, there's also previous books so one of the books we've done was um, a book without pictures we've also had our book of the month was a book without words as well which was a book called Tuesday, which is really, really interesting because you have to make up the story yourself based on the pictures. And I've used that book um, when I was a teacher previously with um, a group of 13-year-olds. And that was really, really interesting to see how they interpreted the book. So there's lots of things on there. And if you have a child who does like certain books, for example, graphic novels, 
we have a link with lots of other graphic novels that we would recommend. So definitely worth checking out our book of the month. Definitely. That sounds great. I like the sound of Tuesday. I'm going to have to look into that. (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) Reminds me of the old You Choose books, the Nick Sherritt ones. Yes. Oh, yeah. So when our volunteers do go into school, we send the schools a book a book pack with 20 what we call Beanstalk Brilliant books. So they're books we recommend. And one of the books we have in there is You Choose because it's it just opens up so much, so many options for discussion and things like that, which is absolutely fantastic. Yes, definitely. Oh, well, thank you so much, Kerry. It's been really interesting. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? Um, well, thank you so much for having me on, Zoe. But yeah, please search us on your, I was going to say Google, but you can use any search engine, uh, Coram Beanstalk. So again, it's C-O-R-A-M and then Beanstalk, like Jack and the Beanstalk. Have a look at our website and, you know, if you can give some time to volunteer and help children to grow a love of reading in one of your local schools, please do fill in an application form and we'll take it from there. Lovely. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. You can find out more about how to volunteer with Coram Beanstalk on the website corumbeanstalk.org.uk. And there are lots more reading tips on our Brummy Mummies Facebook and Instagram pages and on the Birmingham Live website. We have loads more episodes on education, so be sure to check them out on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. This is a laudable production and new episodes come out every fortnight. Please subscribe and tell your friends too. See you next time and whatever book you choose, happy reading.